Hey listeners, this episode's a little different from the others, because I'm not interviewing anyone today. For the first time, I'm the subject of this podcast, because now I have something I'd like to share. It's my first before and after. Instead of hearing the story after it's happened, and listening to someone talk about their growth, their learning, and how it's changed them, this time you'll get to hear about it before, during, and after the experience. Because this time, it's my experience. And I'm going to document it for myself and for you in the hopes that by providing this window into my experience as it's happening without the benefit of hindsight, it will serve as an important reminder that when we do the things that scare us, there's a payoff in the end. At least my hope is the experience I'm about to have will lead to some kind of payoff. But before we get there, I want to give you an update on how it's been going with this podcast so far. When I launched in November, 2021, It was a result of almost two years of soul-searching, and with the support of some therapy and coaching, it wasn't too long until it became pretty obvious what it was that lights me up. I love having deep and meaningful conversations where I get to feel. And so I launched, with a few episodes in the bag. And then I threw myself into finding more stories and more people willing to share themselves for the podcast. And I started to notice something. The people I was interviewing really enjoyed the process. At least they told me they did. See, I spend about 20 to 30 hours editing the interview. I like the idea of carving a story from a conversation. And when I provided this draft episode to the participant for feedback, I didn't anticipate the level of gratitude that came back at me. I'm talking heartwarming voice messages and texts telling me how this experience has been a gift for them and how I've honored their story. And it's a surprise because I feel like I'm the one who should be grateful. And as it turns out, some of the episodes that you've heard have in fact had a healing effect on the participant. Some of the people I've interviewed have told me that they found the conversation to be cathartic. And once their episode launched, they were deeply touched by people who reached out to them to let them know how their story had moved them. And their gratitude to me for providing this platform really touched me. From the beginning, I sort of felt like this was a really big ask of these people. I'm nobody in the podcasting world. I don't have any experience. I don't have a ton of listeners or reach in terms of audience numbers. And here I am asking people to share what are often vulnerable experiences they've had. Felt like they were doing me a favor. So to hear that in fact, the experience has been impactful for many of them was a gift to me I simply couldn't have anticipated. And the reason I'm telling you this is because these reactions from the people I've interviewed has brought an additional intention for this podcast for me. Now, when I interview or I edit, I'm not just doing it for me or the audience. I'm doing it to honor the person being interviewed. This episode, this time capsule that I'm delivering must reflect, respect, and honor the participant's experience. So if you find you have questions after an episode is aired and are frustrated by some details that are missing, please know I did ask those questions. It's just that the person wasn't comfortable with the answers being published. And that's the ballgame for me. I cannot and will not put the person's family, friends, or any specific details into the episode that the participant isn't comfortable with. Sorry, but this is their story, and I think it's important that they get to decide how it gets told. Because how the person I interview feels about the interview and the final product is equally, if not more, important to me as the response from you. And the idea that I can give this participant something that they'll have forever that reflects their story is a huge part of all this for me. So 
their reactions have been a great surprise. What has not been such a great surprise is how I had certain assumptions, or should I say hopes and dreams that were naive at best and ridiculous and insane at worst. When I launched this podcast, I daydreamed and hoped for two things to happen. I kind of thought it was possible I would go viral. I envisioned thousands of people downloading each episode and getting lots of feedback and questions from listeners about how the stories were affecting them. And not only was this foolishly optimistic, it was also completely unrealistic if you know anything about promoting a podcast in what is already a highly saturated market. I'd also hoped, or should I say assumed, that once the podcast launched, I'd be flooded with people reaching out to share their experiences. The stories would come to me. That didn't happen either. Like at all. It's one thing to ask friends and acquaintances to speak candidly about their experiences. It's quite another to actually seek out these stories. And I'm telling you this to give you an understanding of how little I knew about the podcasting process. And maybe also to shine a light on my ego and how this ego has been a thorn in my side as I continue along this journey. It's a real exercise for me not to let my definition of success get in the way of what's joyful about this process for me. And this whole thing started out with me chasing the joy I get when I have these kinds of conversations. And I'm telling you all of this because after this episode, I'm going to take a break. What I mean is I need some time to build up more content. Because of my chosen format, finding the participants, scheduling the interview, and then hours and hours of editing, it isn't something I can easily slap together on nights and weekends. And what I don't want to do is turn this heartfelt project of mine into a job with the pressure of getting an episode published every two weeks. And I certainly don't want to sacrifice the quality of what I'm putting out there because of a deadline. But taking this time, this break, fills me with shame. I'm taking a break after publishing 12 episodes? What the fuck? If you're a podcast listener like I am, you probably know that most podcasts are weekly, and many of them have like 25 or 50 episodes in each season. It feels like I failed. Okay, maybe not failed, but more that I was naive to the work involved in the type of podcast I wanted to put out there, and by taking this break, I'm letting you down. And it's not just shame. There's also a lot of fear. If I take this break and I don't launch another episode until the fall, will anyone still be listening? There's momentum once you're published, and I believe that audience grows with time. And if I take this time, will you still be there? And if the answer is no, is this even worth it? Will I want to keep going if it means I have to reach back out to you to say, hey, I'm back, I know it's been a few months, but please come back to me. It's embarrassing. And I know my answer should be yes, since this is a project I'm doing for joy. I should do it no matter how many listeners I have but there's a part of me that so desperately wants the recognition and it whispers that if I stop now, I'll be stepping backwards and none of you will come back because I wasn't consistent. A break kills the momentum and without the momentum, this podcast will never be a success. This is the story I'm telling myself. And since I asked for vulnerability in my interviews, I'll admit something else to you that's not only shameful, but incredibly stupid. I check how many downloads this podcast gets about four times a day. It's all ego and my definition of success. And I know it's bad for me and unhealthy. I actually feel like a teenager checking social media to see how many likes I got because I want you to listen. I want you to think what I'm doing is valuable and helpful in some way. I want the recognition 
And even just saying that makes me feel a well of shame in the pit of my stomach. So there it is. My fear and shame served up to you on a platter. And there's going to be more. Because if you've listened so far, it's time to tell you about Erica's story part one. I'm moving to Spain. Okay, let me back up. Pre-COVID, in late 2019, my husband and I were longing for adventure. And we decided to spend a gap year somewhere abroad with the kids. We're both lucky that we were able to take a sabbatical from both of our businesses and pull the kids from school to spend 2020-2021 abroad. So we landed on Spain. Why Spain? Well, the weather's great, there's easy access to the rest of Europe, and there's culture along with a different language. So it checked a lot of the boxes. We narrowed it down to three different places. Barcelona, Sevilla, and Mallorca. Barcelona because, well, it's incredible. It's a great walking city, has fabulous international schools, borders the ocean, and as an urban center, it had amazing food and direct flights home. Check, check, check. Sevilla because it's a smaller city with some awesome history, and along with great international schools, it's inland, so it's much warmer than the coastal Barcelona. Lastly, Mallorca. Mallorca is an island off the coast of Barcelona with mountains surrounded by the sea. It sounded like getting to live in a place where people vacation, and that's exactly what it feels like. We live in downtown Toronto, so we do already have the benefit of being in a walkable urban city with lots of diversity. What we don't have is nature at our doorstep. Mountains, ocean, and an active lifestyle. It also had great restaurants and culture, but at the same time, we would be immersed in natural beauty. So it felt like the perfect fit. And then suddenly, March 2020, the world turned upside down when COVID hit. It only took until May 2020 to realize there was no way we'd be moving to Spain. Anyone remember what early COVID days looked like in Italy and Spain? It was really bad. And I rely on too much certainty and control to withstand my perceived risk of moving our family into the eye of the storm. So we hunkered down and stay put, and we didn't look back. In fact, I didn't even like to think about it. I remember throughout 2020, people would see me and say, you were supposed to move to Spain. I've been wondering about you. And my head and shoulders would drop and shaking my head, I'd sadly say, we pulled the chute. It's not going to happen. And the next question was always, are you going to defer when this is over? And I emphatically said, no, that ship had sailed. I wouldn't disrupt our kids' lives any more than COVID already had. And that was mostly the party line for all of COVID. From May 2020 up until January 2022, we accepted that our chance to spend that year abroad was gone. It wasn't fair to the kids, there was already so much upheaval and uncertainty, we would just find other ways to bring travel and adventure into our lives. And honestly, I was somewhat relieved. Because, bear with me here, because what I'm about to say is going to sound privileged, pretentious, and spoiled. As excited as I was by this chance to move to Spain, I was equally as terrified. I don't do well with uncertainty, and moving across the world to a country where you don't speak the language is ripe with uncertainty. This is going to sound crazy, but I love planning trips, but I get pretty anxious when I'm on them. I'm someone who spends countless hours poring over trip advisor reviews, trying to plan and anticipate every day of our vacation, and that anticipation and anxiety around those trips is so much so that secretly, most of the time, I kind of want the trip to be done and over with so I have the memory of it in my brain without the discomfort of living through the ups and downs of the experience. I should say here that I don't enjoy vacations where I sit and read a book on a beach or by the pool. 
I can do that for at most one day before I get antsy. So the travel I'm talking about involves a lot of movement and planning. This is the kind of travel I love, but also the kind of travel that has a component of unpredictability and uncertainty around it. And it's funny that I'm drawn to this because I grew up in a family where control was important and being able to predict outcomes and protect against any unforeseen consequences was paramount. In fact, to this day, I get enormous pleasure from anticipating what could go wrong, protecting against it, and if it happens and my plan goes into action, it's awesome, and I feel victorious. But there's a cost, because having my brain in active overdrive throughout traveling, thinking about what could happen, pulls me out of the present, which explains why I like the idea of having the memories inserted into my brain so I can avoid the anxiety and discomfort that accompanies travel that can't be controlled. And yet, I like to push myself. I like to push myself against my limits to see what I can withstand. As an example, when I was in my early 20s, I decided to backpack through South America by myself for two months. It's important to say here as well that I'm not someone who likes to be alone. I don't need me time. At this point in my life, I had never eaten a restaurant by myself or gone to a movie alone or even spent a day by myself. So making the decision to go to a couple of countries where I didn't speak the language and travel solo for eight weeks was pretty intense and crazy. But when I want to push myself, I go big. I made the decision, focused on the planning without actually allowing myself to feel what I was feeling about the decision, which of course was intense fear. And it was only when I got to the airport that I had a meltdown. But I went and it was incredible. It was exciting. It was transformative. But also, it was hard. And I remember the moments of hard just as I remember the moments of joy. So having done something like this before, I was scared. I knew I wanted to do this year abroad and come out the other side with the memories, but actually living it put me in a state of extreme discomfort. And who wants that? Okay, this time I wasn't traveling solo and I wasn't backpacking, but I was dragging two preteens along for the ride. And no, they're not excited. Because what 10 and 12 year old is psyched to be pulled away from their friends and family and the only city they've ever known? My kids like consistency. And here I was pulling them from what made them feel comfortable and grounded. And it wasn't even because we had to. It was a choice, a decision. It's going to be an adventure. So here I was trying to hide my fear of the unknown and put on a happy face for my kids, but also myself. So why did we revisit Spain? Well, my hope that 2021-2022 would be less disruptive than moving didn't really come to fruition. In the end, our kids weren't in school for a lot of 2021. And 2022 started off with Omicron, and now there's a war going on with Russia and Ukraine. Turns out, uncertainty is everywhere these days. So when I turned to my husband this year and said, why aren't we going to Mallorca again? Both of us were stumped. The world had been turned upside down, and yet we could still make this choice. So it took two weeks to put all the plans back into motion. It didn't take long for me to get the kids back into the international school we'd picked, for us to find a place to live and start the visa process. In fact, everything worked a little bit more smoothly than it had the first time around. But the fear was, is, still there. Once we officially made the decision, I started to wake up every morning with doubt. In my comfortable bed, in my comfortable house, knowing exactly what was coming next, I kept asking myself, why on earth do you need to do this? Why cause more disruption, more upheaval? 
this is going to be hard and not just for you, but for your kids. And haven't the last two years been hard enough? Why are we doing this? Because the thing is, I can't guarantee it'll be a good experience. I hope and assume it will, but who the hell knows? My kids could be miserable in their new school. We could be lonely. Kids are happiest with their friends and parents are happy when their kids are happy. And I don't have control over any of it. And that's the single most terrifying thing I can think of. It's one thing to have no control over what's happening in the world, but to actively make a decision that'll take you and your family further out of control. Why is that a good time? I need to say, I can feel judgment here, both for outside myself and inside, because I know I sound privileged and spoiled. So I don't admit my fear. I don't admit my anxiety. How dare I? This is a luxury and it's a call I get to make. But fuck, I'm uncomfortable. I'm stepping into the unknown and I'm not someone who gets excited by the unknown. I'm someone who wants to create scaffolding around things unknown. I want to tear down unknowns. I just want to know. And I don't. And I wish someone could say to me, I promise you this is the right call. But no one can say that. So we made the decision based on two things. One, regret. Whenever I don't know which way to turn, I ask myself, if I don't do this, will I regret it? Two, is my resistance to doing this thing based out of fear or actual data? In both cases, the answer was clear. I would likely regret not taking this opportunity. And my only note of this experience was based on fear. And when I look back at my life, I also know that many of the most rewarding experiences that I've had all started from a place of fear. When I do the things that scare me most, I invite growth and transformation. So now you know how I'm feeling about this experience. And I'm going to document my hopes and fears for this year. So when I come back to this episode, we can see how it turned out. Ready? Hopes first. I'm hopeful this year abroad will model to the kids that you can step towards the unfamiliar and be surprised by where it takes you. I'm hopeful it will show my kids that the bubble they live here in Toronto is just that, a tiny bubble. And there's a whole world out there with different people and different experiences and cultures. I'm hopeful we'll get to travel a lot. I'm hopeful I'll get to spend time on a boat on the ocean because that's my happy place. I'm hopeful I'll be super active and hike in the mountains every day. I'm hopeful I'll meet and connect with new and exciting people. And I'm hopeful that I'll make like three really good friends while I'm there. I'm hopeful this podcast continues while I'm abroad. I'm hopeful that by me leaving my business behind, it'll prove that it doesn't hurt the business but rather it grows stronger due to the exceptional people who are running it. I'm hopeful my kids will enjoy the experience and meet new friends and look back on this year as transformational. I'm hopeful this will instill in my kids a love of travel and adventure. I'm hopeful that by showing them my fear and discomfort, that they too will approach the things that scare them in life as opportunities for growth. Okay, now to my fears. I'm scared. I'm scared my kids will get sick and I'll be far away and I won't know how to navigate the healthcare system. I'm scared something bad will happen to my family back home and we'll be too far away. I'm scared I'll squander away the time feeling homesick and I'll only open my eyes to enjoy the experience in the last couple of months. I'm scared I'll be lonely. I'm scared my kids will be lonely. I'm scared my kids will resent me from taking them away from everything they know and love. I'm scared this won't be a positive, transformative experience, but actually one that they find to be truly disruptive to their adolescent years. 
I'm scared that in my loneliness, I'll spend time with people I don't actually connect with because I don't like being alone and I'd rather be surrounded by people who I have no connection with than be alone. I'm scared I'll feel unsettled and uncomfortable for most of the time I'm there. I'm scared that due to this discomfort with uncertainty, I'm going to be stressed a lot. I'm scared that this stress will manifest in anger and aggression because that's my go-to emotions when I feel scared. And therefore, I'll be angry and aggressive for 10 whole months. So I'm scared. What if this is a mistake? What if it's the wrong call? And then I hear a very, very quiet voice that says, but what if it's the right one? And so that's the one I'm choosing to listen to. If I can say anything about my upcoming year in Spain, I can likely say this. It will be transformative. And since this podcast is all about our stories and how they shape us, how could I not provide my own personal before and after? So there you have it. My fear, my shame, my judgment and hopes and dreams all wrapped up into Erica part one. Thanks for listening. And thank you for allowing me this break to work on getting more episodes ready for publication. I hope you will bear with me as I embark on this new adventure and find even more new and interesting stories to launch for season two. Morning whisper to my window today. Music and lyrics by Eden Herzog. <laughs>